0: You're listening to the Reversing Climate Change Podcast by Nori, the world's first carbon removal marketplace. Here are your hosts, Ross Kenyon and Christoph Jospay. Hey, it's the Reversing Climate Change Podcast with Nori. I'm Ross Kenyon. Paul is producing over there, Christoph Jospay. Paul Cardiner on the keys over there. The- <laughs> 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 He's typing on his computer, yeah. Alessandra Guerra. No. <laughs> de, la, de la paisa.
1: <laughs> what are you, you, you like?
0: Alessandra Guerra. Guerra. The gringos here. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't roll properly. Guerra. Guerra. Guerra.
1: There you go.
0: Wait, will you say it for us? Guerra. Yeah. Okay. Well, we just finished Reversa Palooza. You did it. <laughs> we showed we up to it. it. Yeah. It, it was a very fun thing to show up to. Are you feeling relieved now?
1: Yeah, should we give context as to what the heck Reversa Palooza is?
0: It's a a hashtag on Twitter. That's all I know. And probably Instagram too. Uh, Yeah,
2: why don't you uh, introduce it? Wait, wait, I'd actually like to take a step back because this is the first time we've had Alessandra onto the podcast. And so how about we let her introduce herself first and what do you do at Nori? And then what were you doing at Nori? Part of that was Reversa Palooza. So then start there.
1: Hi, everybody. This is the first time on our podcast. My name is Alessandra. I am a co-founder. We've got seven co-founders at Nori. So I've been working behind the scenes. My title is Director of Strategic Planning and really focusing on biz development. Real quick, my Norigen story is when I was 17, I saw Klaus Lackner on TV, on the Science Channel, talking about these artificial trees that remove CO2 from the atmosphere. And it kind of blew my mind. The next year, I knew I was going to be applying to college and really thought, oh, how great would it be if I met him? And if I got into Columbia, all those things happened. I studied with Klaus. He mentored me. He wrote recommendations for grad school. I got into PhD. I dropped out of PhD. I met Kristoff. We chatted, found out we were entrepreneurial. Long story short, 11 years later, here we are co-founding Nori to reverse climate change. And Klaus is one of our advisors so it's kind of definitely this weird full circle that's happening and really excited so at nori i've been event planning <laughs> reversa palooza so let's go back to Technically,
0: reversal- it was a strategic event and it was strategic planning <laughs> to was. plan an event director of strategic planning yeah it sounds like a stalinist bureaucrat <laughs> position like you're doing like a five-year plans how much or that you need <laughs> I think think there's some dissatisfaction with titles in general. None of us are totally at ease with them.
1: Well, let's be real, guys. We're co-founders of a company, uh, a startup. We wear so many different hats all the time. So like Paul is CEO, but then like sometimes secretary and like CFO and... IT. And IT chauffeur and chauffeur and yeah. like, hotelier. hotelier. Like, yeah. me, like <laughs> random like script maker for text files of context that we want. Like it's just we're all just constantly doing different things. That's what he makes He watches us the Nori knots nor- Yeah,
0: Nuts. he watches the levels over here. The least glamorous job there. But uh I make you sound good. He makes me sound good. And then whenever <laughs> you chime in, uh, did I ever compare it to you're like the uh silent Bob of the podcast? <laughs> like you hardly ever speak, but when you do, it's like <laughs> the profound <laughs> lesson of the podcast. Podcast? <laughs> I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I derailed everything. You were talking about your job in Norway. We do everything. A lot of hats.
1: Oh, let's talk about reverse Palooza. That's yes, like the whole point of this podcast. Right, yeah. Uh, that. So Reversa Palooza, what a great name.
3: Today is April 27th.
1: Yes, Friday. Friday. And we're sitting in this beautiful like corner view room at the Marriott waterfront looking at the sound. We are watching a ferry cross the water and a boat. And it's gorgeous and the sun's out.
0: I actually looked up what these clipper ships are here for and they're finishing an around the world race. Oh, really? They're they're literally docked right outside. So we
1: had just beautiful weather and we had uh, about 105 people come to Seattle or within Seattle to our summit. And it was a summit. It was this large conversation that we had with a variety of stakeholders in our marketplace. So our marketplace, we have people who are going to be supplying carbon removal certificates. We have people who will be buying them, influencers, academics, policymakers. So the room, I think, reflected that. It was super diverse. And the whole point was to demo what we're thinking, what we're doing. We sent out our white paper to all the attendees. They were the first ones to kind of see our white paper. We got feedback from them. And the whole point was, okay, look at what we're trying to do. Give us your feedback because, you know, software companies, you got to close that feedback loop somehow. That's what the summit was so that we can make sure that we're iterating in the right direction and making sure that we are building the right solution in a way that the users that we're hoping will use it will actually do that so that we can reverse climate change.
0: Yeah, we got a lot of good notes on that. And I think people like that general spirit of the event too, where I don't know how many conferences y'all have been to that have been lectured at the entire time. They aren't very fun. Oftentimes I feel bored. Most of the fun things I do at conferences are hanging out and talking to the attendees anyways. So I think that they got to do that in the room where it was actually of direct value to us. And probably their own projects was in everyone's interest.
1: Yeah, we didn't even have that packed of an agenda. There was something to do. Like we had a good amount of things that we talked about, but it was almost like tease them with conversation, have this panel, lots of Q&A, and then another collaborative networking break where people just ate food and talked to each other. And it was really hard, actually, to start the next session because everybody was talking and having a great time, which I loved. And I felt kind of torn between cutting up those conversations and continuing the agenda so that we didn't go on till midnight.
2: Sorry, I'm getting caught up. What's Q&A? Oh, oh man! No.
0: Come no. On.
1: Everybody no. knows what Q and A. No. That is that, such a simple
2: one. That was the most
0: beautiful <laughs> like meta and i I've ever heard on the podcast. <laughs>
1: Questions and answers. Chris Christoph wins. <laughs> there are some acronyms that are just so obvious.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'll, you I'll,
2: you like I'll... a parody of yourself? Is that... <laughs> I was going for it. So so it, Ross called it a conference, but it was a summit. So summit up for us. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I've been waiting to use that one.
0: (laughs) I can't even. (laughs) How did it it
2: start? What
0: went down at Reversa Palooza?
1: I'm surprised I didn't see that summing up coming. I spent so much time with you, Chris. (laughs) I should have seen it.
0: You looked a little smug in delivery, so you guys it.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. Summing it up. Again, we wanted to get people's feedback. And so we had sessions from all over the board we started off, this was crazy, with a conversation of carbon markets and asked the question, I think Ross, you moderated this one, asked the question, like, you know, what are carbon markets and like, does anybody even know what they are? So setting that stage and Alden Donnelly and Josh Margolis from EDF, who's worked on carbon markets, both of them are experts and worked on this for decades, kind of just laid the ground for us.
0: We had to bring it down to a pretty basic level. Oh my gosh,
1: Josh got out of his chair down the stage and then like, grabbed another chair and then laid on the floor and jumped up on the chair to like illustrate the differences yes, in emissions tra- policies. I loved that he did that and it was the first session because that's exactly the energy that we wanted in, in Reversa Palooza. And I, I was able to grab it on my phone and put it to our Instagram story. And I loved it. I was like, yes, this is exactly <laughs> what we're going to be doing.
0: And if you would like to see it, all of this will be available to view at a later date.
1: So. It, actually, if you wanted to see like the full agenda and the speaker bios, it's still up at nori.com forward slash Reversa
0: by the time this airs, the videos might even be up. Oh, that's true. And then we also have these amazing... We had a live illustrator who took notes in all the sessions. Catherine and, was bombed. Oh, yeah. That Catherine was, that was Mule, the Catherine Mule, M-U-L-E.
1: Find her on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, just to kind of speak to Josh's theatrics, he had a chair and he stood on top of the chair and he said, this is where we are with business as usual. And then he got off the chair and that was kind mm-hmm. of, this yep. is where we are today Admissions, and then he sat on the chair and he's like, this is if we did everything that people are committing to. And then he laid down on the floor and he's like, and this is
3: where Nori wants to get you. Yeah, uh, he yeah. said scientists wants to get you. Yeah. He, he said, this is where scientists want to get you and they want you to like it. Yeah. <laughs> Fine.
1: All right. Selective well, memory.
3: Well, yeah, <laughs> it's different because what he's saying there is something that we always talk about, which is that. Energy is a good thing and it improves the human condition. It lifts billions of people out of poverty. It's created wealth and luxury that the human race never could have possibly imagined 150 years ago. The notion or concept that we need to completely get rid of all sources of emissions is just fantastical. There's absolutely no way that's going to happen. And so, I thought it was a perfect signal for the start of our summit because it was really explaining that the philosophy that we're trying to make here is that we treat greenhouse gases like a waste product and we pay for collecting that waste and we still get to enjoy the luxuries that make life worth living.
1: Yeah, that was said throughout the whole summit was that carbon is not the enemy here, right? We're made of carbon, we eat carbon and and it cycles, but I don't want to lose track of that thread that was what is the summit and what else did we talk about? We started off with carbon markets. Then we had a great panel about general methodologies for carbon dioxide removal from really nascent technologies like managed mine tailings to direct air capture. We had Greg Dipple and Klaus Lackner and Ethan and who else was on them?
2: David Montgomery. David, My-
1: so all four of those were on previous podcasts. So you welcome to go back and listen to some of those episodes to dive a little deeper. And then we had a Nori trading game. Oh my God, that trading game was such a good idea. Katie Aretz had suggested it and we had contracted her to help her with the development of the program and she was so useful and that idea was brilliant. So we simulated the Nori marketplace. We put a thousand stickers on a thousand poker chips that were Nori tokens, and we printed out CRCs and had ledgers and had people act as buyers and suppliers.
0: Paul and Katie and I were bankers, so people would, when the price would change after every quarter, simulated quarter in the game, would run over to us trying to sell or buy or do my, their My actions.
3: favorite part was we were standing outside at a counter where people would come up to us, and whenever the price would change, we would hear loud cries <laughs> yeah. of joy or, or groans oh. of misery. Sometimes mixed. <laughs> yeah. Thing, how you were feeling last uh-huh. round.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> popping
2: welcome to crypto <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, th- I think we learned a lot from it and I, yeah. i'm ready to go on the road and start doing this like universities and places and you know let's get in some game stores so people can start buying the nori trading
3: game
1: yeah <laughs> we've got our legit like poker metallic briefcases <laughs>
3: I had a lot of people come up to me and say that they really enjoyed the game. They thought that it was really engaging and interactive. And I mean, they clearly all had a lot of fun with it, but most of all that it helped them really understand like what these two different assets, the carbon removal certificate and the Nori token are and why you pay for the carbon removal certificate with a Nori token and, how the value of the Nori token fluctuates depending on what the market demand for it is. And that really is kind of the nature of the whole thing that we're building. And I think it clicked for a lot of people. So it it seemed to work well.
1: Two things happened, right? It clicked for people to do actually have in hand rudimentary like Nori tokens, right? Obviously, these are going to be digital assets. So they understood what we were getting at. But then we were able to learn from them and highlight some of the things that we need to look at, and we were just discussing earlier, which is like the difference in the price of Nori and the difference in price of carbon dioxide removal. It did these two things. When you say
3: price, you mean the cost of removing carbon dioxide. Yes.
1: Yeah. So let's put a pin in that conversation for another time.
2: (laughs) But but I'd, I'd just like, Paul, if you could so succinctly summarize, what is the most important thing that people were supposed to learn from the game?
3: For suppliers, the optimal strategy when using the Nori marketplace is to get your CRCs listed for sale in the queue as soon as possible. Because when you sell the CRCs and you receive Nori tokens in exchange, well, now you have optionality. You can go sell those Nori tokens for dollars or some other cryptocurrency, or you could hold on to them and choose to sell them or trade them at a later date. And we're decoupling those assets so that you have the choice, you have the freedom to choose. Do you need the cash flow now? Do you want to trade these or invest these? It's up to you. And that's really what I wanted people to get out of it. All right, Alessandra.
1: We went into the demo. So Paul went into a demo of our platform after I tripped over the wires and totally ruined it.
3: (laughs) Which, by the way, means I didn't get to record the screen.
1: Yeah, we'll redo that. It's okay. Actually, that wasn't the first mess up. The first mess up which was hilarious to me, was in the very first session with the Carbon Markets that you were recording, Ross. So you know how people put mics on and they talk? Well, I didn't do that. I had set up the conference and kicked it off and you guys were passing around a handheld mic. And I was like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And I realized that that handheld mic was supposed to be for questions and answers that I would walk around the room. And I realize that halfway through and Kristoff's looking at me. So I go up on stage while Ross is talking and Ross just stops and everything just looks like a hot mess. And then I speak into one of the microphones. And I'm like, all right, guys, I studied environmental engineering. I'm not an event planner. And the whole room just like laughed and it was really fun. It was such a good crowd because I just kept doing things like, Chipping over the cord and ruining our demo. Yeah, pretty <laughs>
2: pretty I was going to endorse you on LinkedIn for event planning, but now I'm not.
1: Oh <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> but anyways, in the demo, I think in the QA, I really liked that people then were talking about, well, how do we use Nori token in retail? Like how do the suppliers start using their Nori token for purchasing things that they need? And Wait, I- what? What?
2: Those were some of the conversations that emerged from the game, from people naturally playing it, and I think that you know we wanted to be in listen mode to start like understanding like what can we learn from how this whole thing might operate.
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) Paul uh, showed a demo of the platform and walked through what it would be like for buyers and suppliers to either purchase or sell carbon removal certificates in the nori marketplace
3: it's really the full life cycle of a crc from point of creation how you would go about entering data for our first methodology being soil carbon removal how you would go about entering data with one of our data aggregator partners like comet farm and pull that in and see your carbon removal certificate get verified and then those crcs be listed for sale on the queue and then from the buyer end going through and simply purchasing however many you wanted to purchase Software
2: demos are awesome. It makes it that much more real. And I think to quote Paul too, who's on the keys behind us, you can do anything in software, anything you imagine. And it it really goes to show we actually can. And it's so much easier to build software products to solve climate change than hardware products. Well, no,
1: it's actually really hard to find software products that can solve climate change. And that's why he's our CTO and super excited about Noi, right, Paul, back there? Yeah, he is two thumbs
0: up. When you said you could do anything with software, the asshole philosophy part of my brain said, can you make a square circle? <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was my first thought. Make a burrito so hot that you can't eat it. <laughs> Paul, Paul two says, yes, you can make a square circle. Challenge accepted.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so that that took us into one of those nice mingling networky things. And then it was day two. What, what happened today?
1: What happened today? I don't know. My brain just farted. <laughs> So what happened today was was a little shorter, but we went deeper into the weeds a little bit. We talked about, what was the first session?
3: Blockchain 101.
1: Oh my gosh, we did Blockchain 101. So Jay Carpenter from Desert Blockchain came out and did a really great workshop for like 25, 30 minutes with newspapers and had different people in the room act as nodes in the blockchain and miners in the blockchain and then illustrated the difference between the blockchain as a technology and the ledger and the cryptocurrency. So you were maintaining this thing in a trustless system that you could verify with everybody there, but then you were getting rewarded and paid for in a cryptocurrency. So there's a difference there between the two.
2: So, we love our listeners and they're very savvy, but sometimes we throw some terms out
3: like.
1: Did I throw that, a term?
3: Yeah. What, what's a like
0: node? Q, like QA. You know. Is that, is yeah, that one that
2: we us. use?
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> in a blockchain, uh, you have nodes, which are operators of the ledger. So, a blockchain is simply a ledger of transactions that are grouped together into blocks and then they are linked in a chain. That's literally the name blockchain. A node is someone running a computer program that has a full copy of the ledger. As each new block in the chain gets added, they update the ledger that they maintain on their computer. And a node is not necessarily the same thing as a miner, although a miner is a node. A miner is someone who is participating in the Bitcoin proof of work consensus mechanism. a, A miner is the node that is performing the proof of work algorithm to try to find the next transaction the next block and we simulated that and simulated how the miners receive a reward for finding the next block
1: and of course the question the question which is important came up that we knew was going to come up was how do we have an environmental focused blockchain and still be able to hold our heads up high
3: So Bitcoin and a lot of other blockchains use a proof of work mechanism, which is what I just described. If you're a miner, you're running a lot of very hot, very energy intensive computing equipment to find the next block. And there's a constant arms race going on between different miners to add more computing power to outcompete each other in order to have more of a chance of finding the next block and earn that money. If you're finding a Bitcoin block, that's like $100,000 that you get. And there's a new block found every 10 minutes. So it's serious money at stake. Stake is an interesting word because the Ethereum blockchain, which we're building Norion, is in the process of getting close to beginning the transition over to a proof of stake mechanism, which works differently. It sort of simulates that process and drastically reduces the energy usage of the network to something negligible in comparison to the proof of work. So one of many reasons we like Ethereum in the near future running transactions on that blockchain will not be anywhere near as carbon intensive as it might be right now.
1: To sum it up, Nori is not going to be emitting a ton of carbon into the atmosphere to remove more carbon.
0: Sure. Even if we were, we would just you know spend some of the Nori tokens just to offset. <laughs> <No. ICR is laughs> move it. Pay for your waste product. That's yeah. the whole point.
1: <clears throat> so the other session that we did within Reverse Palooza that was really fun was this open source technology one. And we had Lorraine Smith, and Andrew Himes, Kyle Burchard, and Greg Ostick there. We kind of went from this technology-focused summit conversation to the value of transparency and open source, and then this idea that we have to have a paradigm shift across the board. So from this hard software side to this human side, this intangible thing that needs to occur in our mentality as a society where we shift from scarcity thinking to abundance, right? There's no competition between us and our partners. It's more shots on goal. And Christoph has said this before so many times. I mean, I completely agree. And the idea is this is a global problem. Global warming is global climate change. We need everybody on board to try and figure this out. And it's just a complex problem. So we need to address them holistically and if we from a day-to-day aspect think about how we can start thinking with this abundance mentality that that would shift the way that we work and the way that we build our teams and the way that we are building our solutions and that seemed to resonate with a lot of people i got a lot of feedback on that one
2: one of the things for me that really resonated about the open source panel is you can just open the doors so that you have the input at the right time that something kind of creates this collective input to benefit the commons. I think that's Mm -hmm. a really important point. And so it was really heartening to see all of these disparate, seemingly disparate efforts somehow come together that their underlying motivation for doing this is, hey, we need to manage the total amount of carbon in the atmosphere. And we're working on these different pieces, all of which need to set the foundation so that they can talk to other pieces in a way that won't block them.
3: Lorraine used what is now my new favorite analogy for talking about open source technology, which was that the alphabet in any language, pick any language, is something that people sort of have agreed upon over time. There's spontaneous order developing out of chaos. And we all agree on this, but it's not like there's a single defined centralized source that is telling us that we have to use the alphabet. And not only that, but It exists in this decentralized way, and it's open and free. And if you want to change it, you can. You are free to. It's just unlikely that people will follow you. But it does allow for evolution and iteration, and I am totally going to steal that in the future.
1: I thought the same thing. That is now my new analogy for open source technology. Mm, Although
0: alphabets are often centrally planned, like St. Cyril invented Uh, the Cyrillic uh, alphabet. Get out of here. (laughs) Like language, though, is is evolutionary. Yeah. But uh, those things are often planned, kind of centrally. Or we can say that we can are. say that in English, though that's not the case. Yeah, I don't. Do we
1: know. want to go down this rabbit hole?
0: I don't know. Sometimes should I put a, I put a pin I, in it? I, I like it when we do.
1: Put a pin in it. That's our saying. <laughs> I had to explain it's that Like whenever to I find something
0: interesting to discuss, so I have to put a pin in it. <laughs>
1: so like I kept saying that, and like a month in, Kristoff finally goes to me, and goes, Alessandra. Oh, what exactly do you mean by put a pin in it? <laughs> it's
2: like <laughs> a
0: nice a nice butterfly that you just. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I,
2: I wasn't Don't sure because those. she was <laughs> pinning like five things in the set in like the course of 10 minutes. And I was not sure when these things would get unpinned or <laughs> it's like. A nice whatever. way of telling you, you to can <laughs> it. You're done. <laughs> like...
1: But now we have like, our, we put our hand in the air and we like pin it and we unpin things. Well, because if you're talking about five very complex ideas in five minutes, yeah, you got to put pins in things and finish the thread. Anyway, so. What else did we do at Reverse Palooza?
0: Sounds like that thread was finished. <laughs> this is what you're trying to say.
1: Yeah.
3: Then we had a couple more sessions that were more specifically focused on soil carbon removal.
1: Yeah, we did. We had two of those. The first one I also moderated and it was a little bit higher level. Um, it was talking about returning carbon to the ground and why that's important. And we kind of tied it into some of these like ideas of what exactly is regenerative farming and what the scale is in terms of how many people are adopting it and what are the things that we need to do in order to get more of it. And it's really like we need to incentivize farmers further. There's a lot of policy in terms of insurance, crop insurance that just is not making it an even playing field. And it's really at the detriment of society and our land to not have things incentivized for us to have more fertile land by adopting these regenerative and conservation practices.
2: Totally. And I think a big takeaway for me was a comment made on that panel, which is, Don't tell farmers what to do. Oh, yeah, that was fun. And don't bribe them. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Really don't tell them what to do and don't sound
2: like you're bribing. By the way, don't make it about climate change. Make it about the health of your soil. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fascinating because it still totally works with what you're doing. Oh, by the way, if you can measure your carbon content in your soil and you're willing to play in the Nori system, you can get paid using this setup.
1: Oh, I forgot, guys. We started off our whole summit Amanda Ravenhill from Buckminster Fuller Institute introduced Paul and Paul gave this very inspiring like what is Nori's mission in reversing climate change and then we debuted our explainer video which you guys can check out and I love at the end of that explainer video we say you know what we're reversing climate change is about incentives and solutions and I thought about that when we were in that panel for returning carbon to the ground because it really is about incentivizing these new practices so that we can have these huge co-benefits happening where we are improving our land and reversing climate change, putting carbon away somewhere.
2: Totally. And we're big fans of Amanda and she works for the Buckminster Fuller Institute. And, you know, Bucky is known for saying that to make things work for 100% of humanity. And we couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. And are you intentionally leaving out the last
1: No, I'm actually I, I waiting for that. you to like... say something about it because you oh, moderated okay. it. Yeah, Go I, ahead, Chris. The
0: did. moderation was uh, kind of forgettable, is what she's trying to say. I guess. <laughs>
1: We're all <laughs> Ross, Friends. I feel like you're being a little bit
0: adversarial on this podcast
1: today.
2: <laughs> so tell us what the point of the last panel was.
1: So the point of the last panel was to discuss how do we verify that the carbon was stored in the soil Christoph, you want to talk a little bit about what was discussed? It was a pretty intense panel. It was an <laughs> incredible way to end the summit.
2: I kind of feel like Will Ferrell in Old School. Like, what happened? I blacked out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, though, it it like it went. You
0: state <laughs> while you're
2: moderating. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was important, and it brought three really important perspectives to the stage. One of whom is Karen Hogan Cozera. She had done some really important work in the Canadian Soil Reference Core Network, which is critical because essentially you understand all these different soil types from the core samples and are able to use that to help farmers get paid and incentivize these practices, which ultimately sequester more carbon in the soil, albeit not through a market mechanism that's directly paying for the carbon removal, but one that's able to measure that. And obviously, measurement is the crux of what we're doing. Keith Postgen, who is at Colorado State University and also Comet Farm is a key part of some of the funding that he gets through the United States Department of Agriculture. He was sitting on the panel as well. And Keith is a top modeler. So what, what basically happens on the Comet Farm tool is they will have inputs from different farming practices for conservation agriculture. Those inputs essentially tell ask, how do you manage your land? What are you doing? Are you doing no-till? Are you doing low-till? Are you planting different cover crops? What region, what bioregion are you in? All of which basically can create a carbon estimate of how much is now being removed. We think that's exciting. We're very excited to have Greg Landway on that panel as well. And Greg is part of the Regen Network, and there's a future podcast coming out about that, where we can learn more about Regen Network. Essentially, they are also a fellow traveler in the blockchain space and looking to create verification protocols for ecological services, one of which is carbon removal. So very much aligned, and we're super excited to see that project develop. And I think the questions that came up on that panel were very much starting points, not saying we know exactly how this is going to work. But here are the key considerations that we need to take into our various ideas around how indeed we can measure and sort of launch our first methodology that can help farmers ultimately monetize this activity.
1: Yeah. And those questions, I don't think we should talk about them here. Not that you were going to on the podcast because we can get in the weeds, but we are going to be sharing the recordings of the sessions. So those will be available. And we'll also be showing some of the illustrations that we had from our visual note taker, Catherine, that we mentioned earlier, who was just fantastic. That kind of sums up some of the things that were discussed in each session.
2: So the dust is now barely settled, and it's probably not fair to ask this question, but Palooza just ended. What's next?
1: It just ended like a couple hours ago.
2: (laughs) Your music festival, right?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Next year, he wants to do Reverse Blues like one day, the summit, and the next day. Guys,
2: it's not my music. It's first of all, our music festival. Yeah, but
1: you promised you were the one who was going to organize the music (laughs) Suggested. You promised. (laughs) What's next? So we're all kind of hitting the road for the next few weeks and going to be out traveling, meeting a lot of different people. I think that there's a lot of feedback that we got on our white paper and throughout the summit that we need to think about and incorporate and continue some of these conversations with the people that were in the room now offline there's a lot that we need to do in terms of product development as well as business development to make sure that we are coming up with a good verifiable way of showing that carbon was in the ground there's a lot of questions that need to be answered so just keep moving through and talking to people making sure that they're kept in the loop so that we are answering the right questions
2: well that's a very great summation. I couldn't be happier with how the summit went. I will endorse you on LinkedIn for event planning.
1: Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We've
2: got a change of heart on the podcast.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Honestly, guys, it, you started off saying I did it. I didn't do it. Well,
0: you and Katie, are you no, settled for that?
1: No. So, no, I won't. I won't because it was such a team effort and Christoph here is killing it. Business development wise, like finding leads, reaching out to people, like more than half that room was because of Kristoff and his like VIP status in networking. I learned so much from him all the time. He and is Mr. Networker. He is. But the whole event was I mean, come on. Like Ross, you were helping everybody was involved in Palooza. I was just like orchestrating and like keeping track of a Trello board. So But it was interesting and it was great. I'm really proud of all of us. And it's exciting. This is the first one and there's going to be more.
3: There was actually a conference the day before in the same space that was something about wood. I don't remember exactly. I
0: saw them in the bar. It was
3: their 104th annual conference. Well, who knows? There's something to shoot for.
1: (laughs) If I can end it on a light note, I think everybody there was super happy to be there. I got so many thank yous for having them like inviting them to be there. And that was just brought so much joy and made me really excited and inspired because these people were still the people who were giving us really a hard time.
3: There was a lot of optimism in the room. And a couple of people came up to me and said how excited they were to be in a space around other people who actually had reason to hope.
1: Yeah, it's all about hope. But we have to try, right? So at Nori, we have this saying where it's find, don't whine. So find a solution, don't whine about it. And everybody in the room was doing that. They were bringing up concerns and talking through how do we find a solution to this issue and not whining about it. And that was really productive. And it was mixed with this like optimism and inspiration and collaboration that was just five stars. It was awesome. And I'm feeling really excited. Because I think that with this network of people that you've brought in, Kristoff and everybody in their networks, we're going to do this. I'm really freaking pumped.
0: All right, great. Thanks for finally making your appearance. We're saving it for this occasion. Yeah, look forward to uh, catching up with everyone soon.